What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lechdog and today we are brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. Support for the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code JOCK, J-O-C-K, that's code JOCK, at manscaped.com. And if my maths is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Joining me are two other men. Damo, how are you? I'm good, Lek. How are you? I'm fantastic. And Patch, how are you? Black dog, I'm good. I'm good. I've been staring at this uh, this shiny new box um, all weekend. So, was there football? Who knows? I, I don't. I certainly don't. And uh, it doesn't matter. But speaking of things that are shiny, uh, how are your balls? We normally talk about this before the podcast starts recording. How 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 are your balls, Black dog? Well, I'm glad you've asked, Patchy. You're right. Normally, this is an off-air conversation, but for today, it's on-air because, as we alluded to, Manscaped have jumped on board. Patch, I'll say this. Obviously, those out there know that I am... Uh, how, how do you say it? I, I, Fol- I, follically I, challenged. Follically challenged on top, but I'm glad that I can finally say that the carpet matches the drapes because Manscaped... As you said, they sent across packages for you, me, and Damo to try out. And now, as I said, the, the carpet matches the drapes using the, what did they send? They sent the Performance Package 4.0. Inside that was their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, which I have used on my balls. And it it's did up, it, just that. Very good. It's evidently four-stroke, like the four-stroke you're having at the moment. <laughs> I don't think it's powered by petrol. In fact, it's powered by battery, very easily rechargeable, waterproof, and you can uh, you can certainly trim those hairs down. It also came with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a T-shirt, and a travel bag to put all that in. Gentlemen, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these guys, this brand over the next month or so but i'm i'm really excited and i didn't think we'd get to talk about testicles on the podcast more than we normally do exactly it's very exciting but i more than the uh more than the the ball trimmers i'm more excited for the uh the the nose and ear trimmer as someone who is uh the opposite of follically challenged um bit of bit of undergrowth uh in those particular departments so very excited to give them a crack and uh and give it a whirl how, how was it how was the experience well, it was, I mean, I, I feel, I feel like I feel very fast. I feel very streamlined. Aerodynamic. 
head to toe. Uh, the fourth generation trimmer, that's the Lawnmower 4.0, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. So it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping with code Jock Reynolds. That's right, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code Jock, J O C K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Supercoach, boys. A lot happened. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, did it. Goodness me. Like, dog, let's just let's just rip the Band-Aid off. What did you score? Just get the no. gloating out of the system. No, 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 stop it. We don't do that on this podcast. Oh, okay, if you insist. <laughs> if you insist. Give us the uh, number. Finally, my team of pods who were inconsistent and generally bad scored well in the same round pumped out a 25 9 9 i would think i was like 2097th for the week pushed up my rank well over 16,000 places but i am still only floundering around the 20k mark but it was an enjoyable round for my garbage garbage team take the wins where you can get them Damo, you, how did you go this week? You you had some big scores as well. Yeah, I finished on 2502, which is pretty good for a round seven. I'll, I'm definitely happy with that. I uh, Last week, I had a pretty poor score and lost lots of ground in the rankings. And this good score has put me back basically back where I was two weeks ago. So that's good. That's good. We love to hear it. I had a 2509 Um so we've uh, we've all topped the two five hundred, which normally doesn't happen, to around twenty or so. Um, I was talking to someone about this today. Do you think that, given the extra trades we've had, given how smart people are nowadays with with trading in rookies and maximizing maximizing cash generation, do you think we're going to get to a, a time where like twenty seven hundred is the average this season? Ooh. Oh, that's a big call, but potentially. I have noticed teams going very hard, teams trading very hard, teams using the boosts early. I've already used two boosts, and gosh, it makes your team upgrade that so, so much quicker. Um, so I, I think we will see. I think these big scores are the norm, but this round certainly a couple of players popped more than others, and a few rookies did their thing uh, on field, which was very nice for us. Let's talk positives and negatives before we get into the minutia of the podcast, gentlemen. I'm happy to go first. My positive, you know, I was going to say, and this is a way to get two positives in. You say, I was going to say this, and then you say the other one. Yep. I was going to say trading in Luke Parker last week and getting 150 points on field. But I think the bigger achievement patch is Daniel Rioli, who was an awful trade-in. Look, he wasn't great, was he? Was not great. He hit the ton. He got 100 points. He was playing off halfback. They moved Jaden Short in the midfield. He had free reign. He played really well. He looked really good, and he did the things that I thought he was going to do. So Daniel Rioli scoring 100 points, that is my positive for the week. Well done. You love to see it. I'm going to jump in with some positives. Rookies. How good are rookies when they do well? And um, Nick Martin was very good, 106. 
Essendon's best player, arguably. Josh Gibkiss, 79, has popped out of nowhere, building with a lot of confidence, uh, taking into set marks and racking up the points. Sam DeConning, 77, did very well. Um, Nick Dacos, 75, will take it. Um, by and large, the rookies were kind to us, which helped push the uh, the scores up, including one man who some people jumped on early, some people didn't take their own advice, uh, but is going to be in pretty much every team from here on out. And we'll talk about Greg Clark's 104 a little bit later in the podcast. Isn't it funny that we're talking about Nick Martin as a rookie when he's very clearly a premium and the best premium that Essendon can provide? Yep. Yep. Demo, your yep. team's really good at football as well. How are you feeling? What was your positive from the round? My positive was I went for Callum Mills instead of Clayton Oliver. Everyone told me I was chasing his 200, but I but I saw something in Callum Mills against the Hawks that made me go, no, I like Callum Mills for that extra 14000 and I'm willing to spend it. I and think this- that's a great pick, by the way. I, I did a video with Big J on the centre bounce. It should be out by the time you hear this podcast. Last week it was recorded and we talked for about 15 minutes about Callum Mills and all the upside. Damo, I think you've absolutely killed that pick, mate. And what's even better is I've been able to bring in Clayton Oliver this week as well. There's some big, big upgrades coming into your side. Absolutely. And it gets uh, some pretty poor scoring rookies off the field too. Well, I think that's been the focus, right? That's that's that should be our focus moving forward is getting these rookies off field, and if you can do it with underpriced guys, and Callum Mills was over six hundred k, but he underpriced for what he's performing. I think it's great. Let's talk negatives, Pacharu. I and I know this is going to be smug, but I don't I don't have a lot of negatives this week, so I'll say this: my decision if a couple of weeks ago when I when uh, what's his name. Malcolm Roses was a laid out. My decision to replace him instead of just banking him and knowing he'd come back into the team, but I picking up Bo McCreary and having him mm. on my forward bench now, pumping out 35s and 44s. I'm going to say that's my negative because he's also stopped generating any cash and scoring any points. Yes, not not a great combination, uh, really. Normally they come hand in hand anyway, uh, but yeah, I... Uh... Thoughts and or prayers. Um, not that Rose has scored all that much this weekend. Only pumped out the 48, but still has a negative break even. Still has money to make. My negatives were captaincy selections, and I know it hurt a lot of people this week, but um, yeah, it, it did hurt me. It cost me a couple of points um, because I'd reversed trades, and in that age-old thing, I just forgot to... Forgot to Forgot to reset the C and VC, and uh, was stuck with stuck with Max Gorn as captain, who I'd backed in during the week, and went, you know what? Now he'll be good. And then had the VC. So Max Gorn played Saturday afternoon. Had the VC on Lockie Neal, and uh, I was stoked with myself until about four forty on Sunday when uh, Lockie Neal managed to overtake Max Gorn and uh, one hundred and seventy two. Apparently not enough for for captaincy this week. So. Uh, Real disappointed in myself there. Um, let myself Hang on, down. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you complaining about 172 as a captaincy score? That is how you get two positives in <laughs> the positives and negatives section, Damo. That's how you do it, baby. He's absolutely smoked us there, Damo. What's your negative for the week? 
Now, gentlemen, I need you to put on your tinfoil hats here. Okay. Oh, I love when people start sentences like that. The game in Cairns was, in a, was like a mud wrestle, but there was one player who every time he got the ball, even if he could hit a teammate, he either wasn't getting points or he was getting scaled down. Zach Butters kicked a point to level the game and he went from 91 points to 84. <laughs> it was an ineffective kick, Damo. It should have been he was going for the goals. Goal. He missed. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, really. But he also spent eight minutes on the bench in that final quarter because the play was all the way over the other side of the ground. And his points kept going down while he was off the bench. Now I'm a bit I'm I'm big on this. If a player is not on the ground, they shouldn't lose their points. Their points should be locked in place. It should only be the players currently involved in the play or currently active that gets the points up, take to take taken away, or added. Um, well, I mean, as you pointed out after the game, they'd overallocated the points. The points had to go from somewhere, and that kind of happens a bit during quarters, but also I take very little stock in mid-quarter scores because they do scaling on the fly and go back and retroactively add or take stuff away on the fly. So I, yeah, I, I always get very sceptical of, of when people complain about players losing points mid-quarter because it, it comes out in the wash at the other end normally um, and 99% of the time it's I don't see an issue with it. In my opinion, based on what I saw from watching that game, and I did watch the entire game because I like to torture myself, Zach Bud has had a 120 game, but he, but he ended up on 89. Tin foil hat. Tin foil hat. Yeah, Tin I, foil hat. Yeah, let's, I'm not going to bite, but people complaining about live scoring just always gets under my grip. Let's, let's push into the pod, gentlemen. There's a couple of things I wanted to raise with you. One, we talked about... Offline, briefly, Patch, and I said, la, 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 it doesn't matter why we're we talking about this. I've now looked at my team head uh, as we approach the buy rounds. Yes. It's probably, probably something I wish I'd done a little earlier. Mm, which, may I remind you, you and I say every single year at about round seven or eight, we go, oh, oh, those things. Oh, yes. Oh, fiddlesticks. Um, and it's not great, is it? It's not, you'd think by now we'd have learned. Mm, it's not ideal. So I guess, you know, we're probably going to look through upgrade options this week and, and guys that we should be targeting heading into the buyers. I've looked at my team. Currently, I only have about 12 players playing in round 12 and all of the players who right now are rookies that I could upgrade are already playing that round anyway. So, so for me, I'm already throwing that one in the bin and not thinking about it. But I think for super coach players out there listening to this podcast, just have a check, have a look at your round 12, 13, and 14 players, structure a bit of a plan and target the premiums that are going to fit into that plan because I haven't done that at this stage. And at this stage, it looks like it's going to be tough to recover from that. Damo, how are you tracking on the buy front? Round 14's the one that I'm the most worried about. I think I've got about 20 for round 12 and about 19 for round 13. 
Round 14, though, I think I've only got about 16. I'll tell you what, I'd rather have round 14. And that's including rookies. I'd rather have, at least with round 14, you've got two extra weeks to prepare. You can upgrade around the buys. Anyone I traded is going to miss a game. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. But I think that is very a very good point that we do need to be looking at who we're trading in from here on out. And, you know, we'll recommend a bunch of people um, later on in the episode. But, yeah, make sure you, you check who's who's playing each week. And, you know, I'm looking at, at the player I'm trading in so far, Jaden Short, and realizing, oh, yeah, he matches up with a lot of players that, that have buys. And the player who, the other player who I'm considering trading in, Luke Parker, has a friendlier buy, so that may well sway that decision. Um, and I think that's a very fair thing and will be a very team-by-team thing that you need to look at. The other thing I do want to talk about um, is numbers of trades left um, because we're in a bit of uncharted waters so far this year, and it's the first year we've had 35. It's the first year with Trade Boost, which lets us use even more. So by you know the end of last week, you could have, in theory, used if i do quick maths off the top of my head you could have used 19 trades already if you wanted to that would have been an impressive effort if someone's in fact i think mato on the website might have actually used 19 trades at this point in the season he's used a lot he's used a lot let me tell you that but um bless him how how many trades should we be sitting on how many trades should we be aiming for when our team's quote unquote complete What's the trade situation, Lake Dog, for, for any newer players among us? Let me yeah. jump in here. Oh, you jump demo. In demo. Usually, after the buy rounds, most people would be looking to have six to eight trades left over. I think it's not unreasonable this year to have at least a boost left and about 12 to 14 trades left after, after the buys. Twelve to fourteen. Goodness gracious me, that is uh, that is a big deviation from previous years. But we've also got a spicier cough going around than in previous years, so I don't think it's a bad call at all. Well, dog- I think there's less players to upgrade this year as well. Like I, 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 I don't see Will Brody as being a must trade out. I don't see Nick Martin being a must trade out. I don't see Greg Clark. If Greg Clark is going to average one hundred and four as being a must trade out. And some of these players are going to play every single week and it might be worth keeping someone who's averaging 70 on your bench in case COVID goes through a couple of teams. Yeah, I think the stepping... Normally we select all these players as step stepping stones and they kind of underperform and you step off them very quickly. But this year, a few of those stepping, sto- stepping stones are looking closer to keeper-ish. Post-buys, we've got nine rounds of super coach. Maximum trades you could use, ignoring trade boost there, would be 18. You'd love to have 18 left. No one's going to have 18 left. And if you are going to have 18 left, then you're not listening to this podcast because you've already clocked Supercoach. I've seen some people at the upper end of of the rankings right now, On the if you're going for overall, I've seen some of the higher-ranked teams having only used like five trades because they've just nailed all of the mid-prices and all of the correct rookies. I've used 10 trades. I feel like I've gone a little bit heavy. I've used two trade boosts. Looking up at the buys, which come in round 12, I'd be planning to use probably another like eight during the during the buys themselves. And we've got four rounds to go before they even start. So I'm looking at like, 
you know, potentially having using 16 trades between now and then when having only nine left for the rest of the season. Uh, the correct play is to be conservative because at some stage, I think, Patch, I think COVID's going to hit. I think it's going to take out bunches of players at a time. We're only seeing it happen in Frio, really, in Frio and West Coast at the moment. But it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna come to us again down in Victoria. It's gonna hit New South Wales. It's gonna hit Queensland. It's just gonna happen. Adelaide. Oh, Adelaide exists. Remember them. Remember them. Um, yeah, I yeah the the conservative play and you know the play that will make everyone feel safer is um, yeah is holding the trades. That said, if you are towards the top of the tree in, in terms of rankings and you think. Hey, I might be in a in with a sniff at the fifty k, like our good friend uh, Foz Daddy. I reckon you just you it gives you license to go even harder um, because we've got those extra trades, and if you if you at that end of the tree, you may as well go hail mary, and you're not going to win it by being conservative. But if you you're not in contention for that, you know, if you're not in that top couple of thousand, then I think now is the time you start managing them. And, you know, you really start going, oh, maybe, you know, I know this rookie's not going to make their break even this week um, or they're not likely to, um, but I think we still just kind of hold them um, and and try and get a bit more time out of them, um, a bit more cash out of other players as well. And we, and we must stress that there, is n- that there is no right or wrong way to use your trades. Obviously, it all comes down to how your team looks and what the situation is head, heading into the in, heading into to, to the round, but also another thing I think with these extra trades, it's given people permission to almost jump at shadows a little bit. They've seen someone with a high break even and not looked ahead enough, or maybe they don't have the the ability to to look ahead at what the break even is going to be in a few weeks' time. Like Jason Horn Francis. People traded him out because of his high break even against Carlton, but now his break even is now back down again, and it's going to be the same with Nathan O'Driscoll as well. His his high break even is because of the forty three that he scored a few weeks ago, but up against North Melbourne, he could score more than seventy seven points, and he, and even if he only gets close to that, he's going to he, the, the break even's going to get down below fifty again. So it all comes down to yes, you can jump at shadows with these extra trades, but you got to think about moving your low-scoring rookies off the field first. So you can probably keep the likes of your Dacos and your O'Driscoll and all that and all and 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 those sorts of players, and and look at moving on more players like Connor McDonald or obviously Jack Hayes is on his ACL. Josh Rochelle is just treading water really at the moment. If you still got Mitch Hinge or Mitch McGovern, I don't know why they should be gone by now, but. The rookies that are averaging in that 70 sort of range are probably ones that you can hold on to for a little bit longer because their break-even has only shot up because of a poor score. True, but to to play devil's avocado, the only way you can to, can upgrade your team and, you know, you, you still got your Brodies, you st- still don't need as many upgrades as before, but we still want to upgrade as early as possible. And to do that, you need cash and their cash that, that these rookies have and the Connor McDonald's don't. So I I still don't think it's a terrible idea to go early when you, you'd like, I need an upgrade here. You know, Jason Horn Francis is the way to get there. I don't 
I hate the idea of trading somebody out because you're like, no, this is what the plan is. This is, you know, I need a need an upgrade here. So, you know, Horn Francis becomes, you know, becomes Greg Clark and, you know, someone else, because, you know, go, then goes up. Um, I, I don't, I, I still think there's, there's a time and place to move them on, you know, when, when they're about to hit their break-evens, if it fits the plan. But yeah, otherwise, don't be scared. Sorry, as, as you're trying to say, don't be scared of holding them. In that sense, people are holding to, are holding two different situations where they're trading out Nathan O'Driscoll, but then they're complaining that there's no defensive rookies. If you're moving Nathan O'Driscoll, you're upgrading him. You're not downgrading him. And But but people are choosing to upgrade their midfield because that's where all the points are being scored. So if you move a Nathan O'Driscoll because he's at that price, but then you complain that there's no one to, to trade in, then you've sort of tied your hands behind your back. If you trade a Jason Horn Francis down to like a, uh, I, I can't, I can't. Even, who, who's on the bubble? Who have we got? Luke Strandicker. Luke Strandicker. What if how if you pronounce his name? If you trade Jason Horn Francis to him, yeah, it's getting you an upgrade. But now you're going to have a dead rookie on the bench for the next, you know, twenty rounds of the season. How long have we got left? Seventeen round, fifteen rounds of the season. So there's a there's a balance to both to both arguments. For me, I prefer having players that are going to play AFL football in my team rather than ones that aren't, which is why I've held on to guys like Rochelle, Horn Francis, Dacos, etc. But let's push this conversation along. I want to ask you, gentlemen, a question. It might be a controversial question because we've just talked about conserving trades. Are we trading Jack McRae out of our supercoach teams? What no. is happening with the Bevo salad? This man's break even is now two hundred, and pretty soon he's going to be well sub six hundred k in price. You definitely don't trade him. He's one of those ones that you have to persist with. I mean, we held on to Took Miller and persisted with him, and he scored hundred and sixty in about three quarters of football, mind you, as well. Jason and Jack McRae was on thirty three at half time, so he actually scored sixty six points in a half of football. So the scoring power is still there for him. It's just Luke Beveridge has moved him around to assist with the likes of McComb being in the side, Liberatore not being a forward anymore, Bontempelli needing to be in that centre bounce, Josh Dunkley needing to be in that centre bounce. So McRae has sort of moved around as a result, and I think... McRae will get back to his scoring because we saw how quickly he can score in that second half. It's just a matter of him getting into the game quicker and finding other ways to score. And I don't think it's going to be long before that happens. Up against Port Adelaide this week, he likes playing against Port Adelaide. So hopefully we sit at the Adelaide Oval where he historically has scored quite well. Yeah, I'm with you. I just wanted to raise the conversation. I'm not trading Jack McRae out of my team. It's a really aggressive move. If I was one of the guys at the top of, or one of the people at the top of the, the rankings that only use four trades, I would actually consider it. But yes, I think he's obviously going to come good. It's just very frustrating when you're seeing a guy dipping cash and taking up your M1 spot and delivering 89 to 92s on account of his coach likes to hurt me. Spin the magnets. Spin the magnets. Well, gentlemen, let's let's chat. I just wanted to address uh, Jack McRae because we had that question quite a lot heading into the podcast. I just want to have a quick look at the rookies who are on the bubble this week. Not a huge amount of super coach relevancy. Luke Strenadicker. Strenadicker? Strandaka? Strenadicker? 
Stenatica, I think. Stenatica? Luke Stenatica. I don't know. What's Stenatica with you? <laughs> Luke Stenatica, Stenatica prompted out of 76. He's a 102K rookie in the ruck. Break-even is negative 73, projected to jump up 60K. But my concern for him is, is pretty obvious. It's it's can he hold a place in the team? Are they going to bring Dixon back in and push him out? Damo, what's the what's the vibe moving forward with Luke Stranetica? But the issue is he's only a ruckman, and most people would have brought in Braden Pruce and Sam Hayes. So who are you moving out of your ruck line to make room for him? No yeah, one. Yeah, you're not. You're not. There's a small subset of people who might still have the other Hayes on their bench who could look at him. I don't think the longevity is there for him, but you guys might know more than me. No, I think um, as soon as Bailey Williams is fit, then he comes in. The next guys on the bubble are Robbie McComb, mid-only 102K midfielder for the Western Bulldogs. Break-even negative 41, had 63 on the weekend. This is not a guy who I'm super confident with his job security, despite the Bulldogs normally backing in their younger players patch. Yeah, well, I mean, we just spoke about Jack McRae being moved around for Robbie McComb. Robbie McComb will be moved around for Jack McRae, and then we'll have to play in the ruck because it's the Bevo salad, and I just don't see... I'm not confident that he sticks around. He's a decent sub-candidate as well, so we might have cash generation stunted by that. Uh, I'm... Uh, no, 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 thank you. There's a couple more guys that are on the bubble this week. Paul Curtis, break-even of... Negative 48. He's a forward. North Melbourne, 117K, scored 58 this week and last week, projected to go up 47K. I'm not super excited by him, just the role he plays. His job security is probably all right, but in terms of his scoring output, I think that in the coming weeks we've probably got better options, which speaks to the same thing you can say for Toby Bedford, who's also on the bubble, break even, negative 28, plays for Melbourne, 123K. Forward scored 52 on the weekend. Patch, I just feel like, and Oliver Dempsey as well, only scored 12. I just feel like there's better rookies next week than there is this week. Yep. Yep. We've spoken about Greg Clark. Do we get to talk about Greg Clark properly now? Talk about Greg Clark. Oh, my God. Greg Clark scored 104, and I'm really annoyed that I didn't bring him in after goading you last week on the podcast that maybe you could bring him in early. And then I didn't bring him in early, and he scored 104 and was about the only... um, only West Coast player that looked half decent outside maybe I don't know Liam Duggan. Um, it was it was bleak for the Weagles and uh, Greg Clark was the only shining light. And I think as a mature ager who would have been ready to go round one and has done well in the waffle, I'm gonna break the rule and go early on him because I like tempting fate and I'm ready to be hurt again. I um. I, I hate that I'm advocating for that as well. I, I think going early on yes, is, is actually yes. a, is actually a good idea because this is a guy that would have played round one if he was fit, but then he suffered that shoulder injury. He's a premiership player for Subiaco, who, by the way, if you guys aren't familiar with the, with the waffle, Subiaco is quite a strong team. If they were to step into the AFL, I reckon they would be better than the than West Coast and North Melbourne at the moment. <laughs> yeah, wow, 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 wow. Well, okay, Damo, on that thread, Greg Clark comes out, scores 104. Jack Carroll played for Carlton, played 
as like a kind of on the wing, also played half forward flank, scores 95, break even negative 46. Aiden Begpatch comes in, plays number two, number one ruck for Collingwood, scores 81, break even of negative 32. Cooper Hamilton, 102k forward mid for GWS, comes in, scores 68, break even negative 28. Morris Rioli scores 92 in a demolition, demolishing, demolishment, demolish, demo, demolition job of the West Coast Eagles mid forward, break even negative 43, scored 92 points. I think all of these guys are better options than the people on the bubble. And legally, I can't say that you should back them in and go early on them. But Damo, I certainly heard you and Patch saying it. Just on Jack Carroll, obviously he came in at the expense of George Hewitt. Does Jack Carroll stay in once George Hewitt returns? And who is there to potentially remove Jack Carroll from the Carlton side? Uh, the answer is yes. I th- I think he stays in the team. I think it was. I was a little sad. I was a little annoyed at actually how they announced it. He should have just been in the team because he's been playing really well. But you know, he he'll play on the outside for the Blues. I think he'll he'll push forward and and create some shots on goal. I think him and and Lockie O'Brien are probably the guys who are locked in for that wing role at the moment who comes out for for a george hewitt uh well, well liam Stocker's going to come out he's injured and and has been suspended don't know if they can keep him out that there is some fl- there's some room in in that carlton side for players to come out you know Corey durden i know we all love him carlton fans but he hasn't been very effective on games lately so there are some spots up for grabs i think carol given what he delivered and he's been hyped up by by the Blues for a long time now, as as you know, the steal of the draft. So I think he holds his place as an outside player, but he's not one I'm also going to go early on because I believe the Blues are cursed, and if you select him early, you know he'll get suspended or get injured or whatever because that's just what happens to Carlton players. Also, great great story coming in on his first game and being the best young player in the game and and being rewarded with getting the rising star. Number wait, hang on, hang on. No, no, sorry, he didn't get the rising star this week. Um, sorry, my my mistake. <sighs> yeah, well, we don't need it. We've actually had this conversation before on the podcast about how they award awards in the AFL, and it, it's goddamn madness. It's bo- it's 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 body of work and reputation. Yet you can only nominate one per week. Doesn't make any sense. Makes no goddamn sense. Compels me though. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some upgrade targets, gentlemen, because there are plenty of players performing really bloody well at the moment. Some of them are now really expensive, like Callum Mills and Tom Stewart and Max Gorn and Lockie Neal and Clayton Oliver and Jack Steele. But some are slightly more affordable, like a Luke Parker, for instance. Yes, he scored 150 points on the weekend and... Uh, if I can find it, uh, as I had a very, very tantalizing stat, which he flicked through to us on Sunday night just before lockout opened, which made me immediately trade him in when lockout lifted. Pad, 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 keep padding. (laughs) You're doing a great job of it. That at um, round four, he was 34% in the midfield. Um, He was being used up forward way, way more, and that is now flipped that he's up to 75% in the midfield last week. Um, 
which, uh, to, to quote one of my favorite humans in the world, good wanting to play in the midfield means a good super coach. <laughs> He's, look, he has gone back to that midfield role. I think Tom Papley comes back, come into that side, actually solidifies that a bit, even though Papley did actually start at a few CBAs on the weekend, but it, it looks like Parker is is the beneficiary of some some personnel coming back and like he's not going to pump out 150s every week, but this is probably the last time for quite a while that you're going to be able to get him sub 520k demo. Yeah, I think it, I think this week is the week to bring him in if you're going to bring him in. I'm bringing in Clayton Oliver, but I mean, Luke Park is probably the better value option if you don't have that amount of money in your bank. Um, he did look very good on the weekend, though. And the thing is, he's actually looked good for three weeks, and he we just got lucky as super coaches that against North he scored just thirty nine points. But he's definitely in the last two weeks been essentially pure mid, and there is threat for him to go forward and kick goals if required. So I think he's a, a fantastic value option patch. Yep, I retract any any statements that I may or may not have made a few weeks ago about being unsure about um, if Parker would have that role uh, formally retracted. I would like to tell my old self to shut the hell up and ask him <laughs> what the hell he was thinking. Um, similarly, I would also like to go back to my former self and ask him what the hell he was doing when he didn't pick Jaden Short at the start of the year, like 65% of other super coach coaches out there Scored 152 on the weekend somehow, despite averaging 112, is only 430k as a defender. Lechdog, he's under 350, uh, 550k, which means legally you're allowed to select him, and he's also averaging 112. Maybe an obvious question, should people select Jaden Short if they require a defender and don't have him? Well, I mean, he should he should be in your team's community if you're listening at home. I, of course, did start him, Patch, because he fit into all of the elaborate rules I've made. I guess the exciting thing for Jaden Short is last week, round six, he did he he went to like one centre bounce. This week, he spent six, started at 62% of centre bounces and was essentially doing a Rory Laird, which is, you know, all Australian halfback premium defender suddenly turned midfielder. I don't know if that role sticks, but he was he was their highest... CBA attending player outside of Riley Collier Dawkins on the weekend that prevents presents tremendous value at 500 what is he $532,000 certainly a good option for me you got to check your buy rounds I like my upgrades to be in less teams as well just to create a point of difference when I'm chasing rank but certainly a player that you should be looking at in your super coach sides. And virtually at the same price, Patrick Cripps is still at a nice price of $526,000. So if you're one of the 53.8% of teams that don't have Patrick Cripps, then he is also at a very good price. If you need a midfielder at a similar price to Jaden short. Yeah, guys, a couple of guys that are a little bit more expensive than Patrick Cripps in the midfield that are, that are piquing my interest. Christian Petrarca looked really good. On the weekend, one thirty-one break-even, five hundred and sixty. Uh, sorry, priced five hundred and sixty thousand four hundred dollars. He's only in twenty-four percent of teams. And then this guy had a bounce-back game, and and maybe this is 
the game that propels him back to what he has done the last few years. But Josh Kelly from GWS, $543,000 scored, 153 points on the weekend. His break-even still only 69. Nice. Set to increase in value. And, and he hasn't had a, an awful season. He's had two scores below 93, and then the rest of all essentially been north of 106. He's just chugging along, but he's now at a point where there's, I think, some real value. Of course, Patch, the one thing going against him. Leon Cameron. Um, that old chestnut um, getting to real. We need a Bevo salad equivalent for Leon, honestly. Um, and Damo, I think I'd, I'd like that to be my official question to the Mailbag podcast later in the week. What do we call the Leon salad? Okay. Um, You're going to uh, have to give me some time because I'll have to think of it. I might, yeah, even, I might even make a nice graphic like I did for the Bevo salad. Oh, very excited. Very excited. Almost as excited. Actually, more so. Um, but I'm still very excited about Josh Kelly considering got you along this week. But then after that, Carlton, who he once scored 205 against and averages 118 from eight games. And uh, and then West Coast, and he loves beating up on weaker sides. So they're two games in which I suspect he'll go very big, then Brisbane, then North Melbourne. So three of his next five games could genuinely be 150-plus scores, which for a bloke at 542K, very good value, big fan. I've got one to throw at you. A bit, a bit of a pod. He's only in... 1.6% of teams. He's only had two scores below 80 for the year. The rest have all been 100 plus. $552,000. Hugh McCluggage. Ooh. 108, 113, 129 in his last three games. He's averaging 102 for the year. He's someone who I always look at because what there's going to be one one year where he is in uh, the top eight to ten midfielders, and he just needs to find some consistency. And the way Brisbane are going, wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the year he's one of those players like a Darcy Parish that people go, "I'm starting him next year. I can't miss out on those scores." I think there's some excitement factor to him. I don't know if he, for me, he doesn't probably present enough value at this stage i like seeing that big red number next to my premiums my midfielders i'm picking up that says they've lost 100 grand since the start of the year so i must be smart for looking at them now but humic luggage he has all the traits to be a, a great super coach scorer and he generates shots on goal he's always tends to have at least one shot on goal in a game. And if he can start converting those, which he's only done once this year, round two, but if he can start converting those opportunities, that's just that extra, you know, 10 plus points that get tacked onto those games. And suddenly that 108's a 118 or that 113's a 123. It's a small part of his game that he, if he can clean it up, I'm not saying he can, it's certainly something that entices me. And he's got a really high ceiling. Yeah, I can't to play devil's avocado. I do like Hugh McCluggage as a player, as a super coach um, prospect. He frustrated me so much that year I had him. I remember him scoring 120 in one game, but he kicked one goal six, one goal seven, and not sure I've shouted at a non Essendon game as much in my entire life. Um, so a good pick, astute pickup from you, Damo, but I can't go back. I, I can't go back and it will be a frustrating ride at times because 
he should score more than he does, but doesn't. The guy I really like, and I've spoken about him before, so I'm not going to go on too much about it, um, but less than 500k in the forward line, averaging 102, scored 147 on the weekend. Dylan Moore, 0.7% of teams. The more I look at Dylan Moore, the more I want him in my team. Oh, he's so good, Damo. He's you so said good. Moore so many times. I want to make a pun, but I think you did it. Oh, he's, I couldn't um, want him any more than I already do. It doesn't quite work, does it? And he's got around 14 by, which we like. And, and he still presents value at sub 500k. And he plays Essendon this week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, captain him. Don't even loophole it. Straight C. Slap it on him. Um. So there you go. That is the case for more, more in your side. You are won't any hear of you, a disagreement from me. Are any of you looking at Ollie Wines, potentially? Uh, I've got him in a couple of draft teams, and I know, you know, he's not had the cleanest season, but he's not someone that is at the top of my list. What are you, what are you thinking, Damo? The Cairns game probably wasn't the best showcase of skills, but he's re- he's really only had. I mean, people are going to say we paid six hundred k for him, so he's had a bad year. But if you're picking him up now, he's only had one game where he scored less than ninety six points, and that was the game against Port Adelaide where he only played half a game. Yeah. So yeah, if no. he can continue to build, if he could be, he could gain a hundred, hundred and fifty k from now until the end of the year, and be a good picker. At five, by the way, I didn't realize he was only five hundred and eight k with a break even of ninety two. That's reasonable. I do have eight hundred and seventy three Port Adelaide players in my team, which is a slight issue, but he definitely presents. Presents value. I'll I will give you that. I think I I worry about the uh, what do they call it? The Brownlow hangover patch. Yeah, they call it the Brownlow hangover. That's that is, <laughs> that is indeed what they call it, Lake Dog. Um, yeah, look at forty k more. I'd rather the Cali that we've spoken about. Penderbury is forty k more as well. Cripps is twenty five k more. Luke Parker's twenty k more. Um, Tim Taranto's about the same price, and I think I'd rather him as a mid-forward um, unless you're desperate for a midfielder. But, yeah, I, I don't dislike the call. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not jumping on board. I'm not super excited um, at that price range. I'd, I'd rather a humor cluggage um, based on, on upside. I also just port this year kind of give off a bit of a smell before we uh, before we wrap up, and I do agree with you, Patch. I think I think I'd like someone with a little more upside because I just I just worry about I don't know. I believe in curses, so you know the fact that there's a curse named after a thing that he did, I'm I'm bound to believe in that. That's bad. He the won a brown That's good. That I'm heavily considering this week, and you're welcome to flame me about them because I think they're in four teams. You're an idiot. First what one are you doing you. Oh, every time. Like, oh, sorry, you haven't said f- that well, Hang on. I, you well, you I, had, I, I had one good round because I bought in three players that everyone told me were bad. So let's 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 have a listen. Yeah, all right. First one's one name is Mark Blitzarves. Oh, God. 
Damn who is $498,000. He's in 947 teams. He scored 135 points on the weekend and has had four scores of 104 plus, a 93, and a 49, and a 53. So you're telling me that Mark Blitzarves is more attractive than Hugh McCluggage, even though they've basically scored the exact same way? No. Well, hang on. One is sub 500K and a defender, and I'm looking to upgrade in defense. Hugh McCluggage is exciting. He's a midfielder. But there's about $7,000 worth $7,000 in difference in their price. Yeah. Well, Blitzarves is he appears to be the main ruckman again for for Geelong, which is a which is a good place to be. Void of significance. Main main ruckman okay. Geelong. How many ruckmen maintain that mantle for more than 4 weeks at a time before they get just thrown to full back where also, you know he, maybe he scores 53 and 49 um i, but, I don't know i don't know just but, but also I don't know. I don't know but also he scored 93 against north melbourne if he was really good he would he would have scored more than 93 <laughs> i i mean i can't defend that i don't like there's nothing didn't just make a big cut because I was an idiot. Adam Sard's another name I'm looking at, Damo. 502k, 125 on the weekend. They're finally using his run and dash. Two scores below 80, but scores of 125, 107, 129, and 139. Damo. And Patch, you, you, you used to have this guy on your team. He, um, they, they're using him to his to the skills that he's good at. I like Adam Sard more than Black, Mark Blitzarves. Mark Blah Blah Blahs. <laughs> You're not going to cut that, are you? Huh? huh? <laughs> That's staying in, baby! Um, I worry about Saad in that if they stop using him or teams try and shut him down, then he goes back to scoring 60s, which, you know, he did a bit of last year um, and historically hasn't quite pulled that that really high average. But maybe this is the year he does. I, I'm not banking on it. I'm not going near it. I. That's fair. I there's hate, no, there's no hate, history of scoring here. I hate... Both of those selections and want to stop talking immediately. Love you, XOXO. Damo. Hasn't he done this before? Had a, had a good start to the year and then fizzled out? Yeah, probably. It sounds like a thing he would do. Sounds You're like all haters. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what I am. You're all bloody haters. He's a, you, should, you should pick Nick Hind instead because we got pick eight for Tsar and then paid pick 40 something for Hind, and he's Wait, way Nick better. He's a really, really good VFL player. He's a really, really good VFL player. He's a very good sub as well. Uh, that one week he was the sub and scored a lot of points without doing anything. Don't you have a new sub now? Isn't What's his name? Dylan? Um, Shiel? Shiel. Dylan Shiel, I think. Um, some bloke from, I don't know, like a mid-season draft or can't be on a big contract or anything. Um <laughs> Moving along, can we? Hello, can I we... think I think unless you guys have got anyone else to talk about, which by the way, we never talk about who people should trade out, but people people know if they're going to trade a player out. I don't think our our opinion really helps. It's it's injury discussion that's interesting. If you're trading out on form, that's on you people listening at home. Is there any other guys you guys are looking at as potential upgrades heading into the round? Um. Well, we didn't really talk about him. Uh, Jordan Ridley, if you don't have him, maybe. No, don't do that. What am I talking about? Scrap let's that. see if he Please can string it. That. Let's see if he can string it together first. Well, it, it was pretty frightening. Like 
I, it wasn't till like the end of the fourth where he actually started, or the end of the first where he actually started scoring. Like all of a sudden he was around getting marks and he just, just saved it. And there was still like 30 minutes where I was watching and his points were not moving up. They just weren't. So uh, he still scares the hell out of me. But I think, yeah, one to watch for short batch. Yeah. Are there any rookies we need to trade out this week? Damo, you've spoken pretty extensively about not needing to move on O'Driscoll and Horn Francis. But just before we wrap up, I'd like to discuss if there are any that do need to go and uh, are taken out the back. I think if people haven't moved him, Rochelle, there's now enough re- enough evidence to to move him. They might even rest him for a game. James Rowe played really well in the in the reserves. They might look to bring him in and rest Rochelle for a week. He's someone I would, if you haven't already, and I think a lot of coaches have, I'd look at moving. Um, any Bo McCreary owners out there? Yeah, I'd probably look to move him along. At some point, I think if the other two people who've got him in their team are listening, uh, yep, it's time for us to move him. But I, I don't think there's any must trades, is there? No, if but you've still got Jack Hayes, then maybe this this is week is probably the best week to move him on. But as you said, next week, there's a lot of rookies that look good to grab on the bubble. So, And that 258K is not going anywhere while he's not playing. I think Horn Francis owners and Dacos owners need to hold. That's my personal gut vibe i agree yeah i begrudgingly agree i think patrick nash with a break even of 70 is one that could go if you've got him 341k done a very very good job um very admirable work if you've got him then i think um even though there's a a lower score that's due to roll out of that average the 56 against port that'll roll out shortly but i think if you if you're looking to upgrade he's the one you could move on um I'm not against moving on Paddy McCartan, especially considering he's good chance to return this week, but given his concussion history, there is every chance they manage his time on ground and cotton wool him for a few rounds. So he may struggle to get the points as easily as he, as he has been. Um, break even of 44, you could wait and see. Yep. Agree with both of those. Gentlemen, Locked are we up. calling this one a wrap? It's a wrap. All right. Well, thanks again to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping with code JOCK. That's code J-O-C-K at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code J-O-C-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Patch, it was beautiful to see your gorgeous, hairy, face and your gorgeous hairless other parts yes they are the other parts is uh very fortunate that we're an audio medium and not a visual one but uh for all the listeners at home but it was a pleasure to uh to do likewise with you and demo you beautiful human top of the world top of the ladder well may as well be top of the ladder Fremantle football club are absolutely flying thank you for joining me you beautiful human very good to be here. Just before we go, there is no reason that no one should have the captaincy on Lockie Neal at the Gabba against West Coast this week. He could go 180 plus two weeks in a row. He he might score 3,300 points at this rate. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if that happened. 
the world would end. All right, gentlemen, goodbye. Go Blues.